I've checked the CFL fantasy podcast bylaws, by the way, and they do state that you are not allowed to take a lock or a money pick in consecutive weeks. Uh, but because the Eskimos were on a bye, this might be a Pat may have opened up a loophole here oh, that yeah, would allow him. I to won't do it. I will not do that. Yeah. I do not like to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone ready to put Zach Caleros back in a fantasy lineup? Well, all of a sudden, that question actually has some relevance as we welcome you to the CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas. Welcome to week 20, cflfantasy.tsn.ca is the website. Go get your second to last lineup of the regular season in. Still looking to find out who's going to win that trip for two to the Grey Cup in Calgary. Who's winning that championship ring? Uh, We are very close to finding out. Pat Steinberg here as uh, we continue from Calgary. Hannah's in Calgary as well and Jeff Creever is in Toronto. This week we're talking about the Bombers and Stamps and their Week 20 rematch. Do the Ticats and Alouettes rest some players in their final games? Cody Fajardo has a brand new contract and is Trevor Harris ready to return in Edmonton? All of this on the docket but Jeff, let's start it off by talking about Zach Caleros who's back but this time in Winnipeg. I don't know when this podcast sort of transformed to the point where you just talk a lot and then don't really let either of us say anything and then we jump right into the first topic like it's so serious, you know? It's Okay, cool cool story before we jump into Trevor Harris. We were talking about Zach Cool story cuz you mentioned the ring, you mentioned the prize off the talk. We are sorry, Zach Caleros. Then Trevor Harris later. A lot of quarterback talk. Uh, I saw the ring this week. Like the actual physical ring that you can win uh, by being number one in fantasy this year. I'm jealous of whoever's going to win that thing because it's not going to be me. How does it compare to the Raptors ring, though? Well, that's what I was going to say. It's... uh, (laughs) I don't think it has quite as many diamonds. um, And it's probably not worth the $10,000 one that's going on uh, that you can buy online right now but it's pretty heavy it's nice I want one of these things like that is some serious serious bling that you could have uh, and and the pride that you would have walking around with that on your hand you'd feel like a great cup champion you say whoever's gonna win it as though we haven't had a wire-to-wire winner though you know leader I guess well that's the thing. I mean, you never know what can happen. One year, the New England Patriots went undefeated all season and lost in, yeah. in the Super Bowl. It can happen. The Stamps pretty much did the same thing a few years ago. So it, we'll see, Western Willie. You, you better watch it. You better can look you behind you. Can you imagine if he didn't set his um, lineup for week 21 and gets passed? Yeah. Just forgets? Just forgets to set the lineup? Chris Streveler. This is the theme of the week. We'll, we'll make Pat happy and get back on track. Chris Trevler, absent from practice this week. Uh, Zach Caleros in line to start for the Bombers in a very important game against Calgary. The Bombers need to win uh, to try to keep their chances of hosting a playoff game intact. Uh, and you could own Zach Caleros in your lineup this week at a low price of $5,896. Uh, if he does get the start, because the Bombers aren't confirming anything right now, if Zach Caleros does get the start, are you interested in him at all this week? No. No, I'm not. Nothing about this 
seems like a good play. I think best case scenario, he's worth his fantasy salary. But I don't see any big point total going up. He hasn't played since the first quarter of the season. Injury prone. It's his third offensive system to learn this year. I don't know how anyone could justify this play, especially against the Stamsty. Yeah, there's just no... I'm not. I'll be less. I'll be less angry about it than Hannah was. Um, <laughs> apparently, Zach has offended her that at was some point. Hodge coming in hot. No, very I angry hate about this it. This guy. Uh, no, no. She doesn't actually, hate. She does not actually hate Hates you. It's a strong Zach word. Um, hate no, it. I'm sorry. I just. I'm not gonna play you. I'm not either. I don't. It doesn't really seem like a smart play. Like even at that dollar figure, it would just be. Like, I, I feel like the $4,000 difference in that range between Caleros and the rest of the quarterbacks this week, I, I don't know if what he's going to give you is going to make up for, or, or what you're going to save, rather, on your salary cap is going to make up for what he doesn't give you in fantasies. So I don't like the matchup. I don't like that he hasn't played in, like, literally four months. Uh, I don't like a lot of the the way it shapes up for Caleros and I don't even know the, the other crazy thing is we don't even know if he's starting so if he doesn't start and you've structured your lineup around Caleros and then all of a sudden you find out he's not starting on Friday you're gonna have to completely revamp your lineup because there's a four thousand dollar difference between him and the rest of the guys so if, if you put him in that he doesn't start well then all of a sudden all of your other plans are going out the window so I'm I'm staying right away from Caleros I'm I'm just accepting that I'm going to have to go $9,000 or more for my quarterback this week. Well, we should know as of Thursday, uh, we should have a pretty good idea. I mean, they could list both and then go with a game-time decision, uh, or the Bombers could come right out on Thursday and announce uh, that Zach Caleros is going to be their starter or Chris Strebler is going to be their starter. I mean, he, he looked pretty worse for wear. He was limping around pretty badly on that leg at the last last time they played, but... All of this, of course, is, is hypothetical. Let me let you in on a little secret. I name-dropped a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I name-dropped T-Dog, Trevor Stone, in our office. We, we like to chat lineups once in a while. and yeah, he, he told me he's got Zach in his lineup right now. So It's a bad call, T-Dog. It's T -Dog. interesting. That's a, and that's a the, really bad the thing, call. The thing that, well, <laughs> T-Dog's got, got some good strategies this year, and he's got me thinking about it because... Here's the thing. When I go through the list of quarterbacks right now, I don't know. Because Dane Evans and Vernon Adams, I mean, they're on teams that have clinched. They're, the Alouettes and Ticats could face each other in another month. I don't know what they're going to do, how long they're going to play. Uh, Toronto's going to rotate quarterbacks. And we'll talk about all of this far more in depth later. Uh, Will Arndt, I mean, I, Trevor Harris in his first game back, I don't know how, how much do you trust that shoulder and against a, a really tough Riders defense. There aren't a lot of options out there. And if I'm laying them out, I got Bo up there and, and Zach Caleros is up there for me. So I think it's something to think based about. On, based on what? Well, here's the thing. Zach Caleros has had some success against Calgary recently. Let's not forget. I, I know it's been a long time uh, since he's played this season. Uh, he's barely played this year. But last year against the Stamps, uh, 49 of 69. Pretty good percentage there. 622 yards. Uh, no touchdowns or interceptions. But most importantly, 
he won both his games against Calgary last year. So this is where I'm That's in on Zach right now. That's what I want to see. No touchdowns. This is where I'm in on Zach right now, though, because th- this is where I'm saying this isn't going to be a disaster. This isn't Will Arndt. This isn't uh, any any Logan Kilgore. This isn't any first-time starter that we've seen going in there. Zach Kolaros is a veteran. He has been in this league. He can read a complicated defense like Calgary's, and he's going to get the ball to the receivers in Winnipeg. At minimum, I think he's going to give you 15 points this week. I really do. And at that price, I mean, if that's the floor, I'm okay with that. I'm not comfortable I'm okay calling that. that his floor. I'm, I'm going to quote you on that, minimum 15. You quote me. We'll revisit, and I, I think... I'm pretty confident he lands in that 15 to 20 point range. Okay. I'm pretty confident in that. I'm not. I'm pretty confident. It's a wash. It's a wash if he doesn't start, of course. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't start, then we're not going to tell you that you're wrong. I'm just, I'm not confident in it. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I really like Caleros as a guy, and I'm cheering for him, and, and I hope that he's able to truly resume his CFL career and, and have a long-term future still in this league. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm hoping that it does. But for a guy that hasn't played since the first series of week one and that has been injury prone and that hasn't been very good in, in recent years, I just he's, he's not a guy that's really on my radar. So and, and it's not like we're talking about him having a, a great matchup either. This is a, this is a bomber's offense that has not a been very pass heavy even when Matt Nichols was the quarterback it's not like this was the most pass heavy offense obviously even more uh, slanted when Chris Treveller was in there I I just I feel like this is going to be a heavy dose of Andrew Harris I feel like this is going to be a very simple playbook that is going to be put in front of Caleros and none of these things translate to a really good fantasy game plus you're going up against one of the best defenses in the CFL it just Nothing about this seems attractive, and it's it's crazy to me that you can say that he's one of the two or three best plays of Week 20. Well, and again, part of that has to do with some of the other options because the list is not long of other quarterbacks that you can look at. But, but what I'm going to say here is I don't think you can run Andrew Harris into the ground in this, in this football game against the Calgary Stampeders. Calgary's run defense is on an island. Uh, well, they have an island of their own, and then there's another island where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers run defense also resides. They have their own private islands because they're separate from the rest of the league. Calgary's run defense is really good, too. Not in the same league as Winnipeg, but they're not going to have success running the ball over and over again, and to me, Zach Caleros brings something that the Bombers haven't had since Matt Nichols got hurt because I don't think that Chris Trevler has been a viable number one starting quarterback that's going to go win you a great cup. And if the Bombers have a chance to go deep into the playoffs, I think I think Zach Caleros has to come into the game and give the Bombers an accurate passing attack uh, that can consistently convert on second downs and sustain drives, something that we just haven't seen uh, since Traveler's gone behind center. I think you're going to see a little bit of that this week uh, between the Bombers and Stamps. And, and at that price, again, you're talking about essentially a bargain buy for Caleros uh, compared to some of the other quarterbacks. It, Vernon Adams pretty much twice the price. Uh, I think Kolaros is going to have some fantasy success this week, and he has to because, like I said, it's not going to be uh, a dominant ground game this week for the Bombers. All right, 
I'm out of breath, so I'm going to throw it over to Pat with the Week 19 Rewind. All right, well, if you had McLeod, Bethel, Thompson, and Chandler Worthy in your lineup, hands up. I don't, does anybody have that? If you're listening right now, did you have that stack? Because the unli- unlikely duo led the way in a huge way in Week 19. Uh, Bethel Thompson, 28.3, number one for Week 19. He was uh, fifth among the most chosen quarterbacks. Worthy had 26 points. How about Stamps receiver Reggie Bagleton? He made every catch count against Winnipeg. Three of his four receptions went for touchdowns. He was uh, second this week with 28 points. Bo Levi Mitchell and Josh Huff also had strong performances for Calgary. Other top performers, uh, Vernon Adams Jr., 26 points. Brandon Banks, 25. S.J. Green, 23. And Dane Evans had 20. And if you're looking to save a bit of money, not many players exceeded their salaries this week. Jalen Marshall and Ante Milanovic-Litre both did. They were two bargain buys that would have paid off for you. Finally, uh, some that really frustrated this week. Dominique Ryan Chris Matthews, both goose eggs. Returners Ryan Langford and Mario Alford struggled. Deron Carter, Terry Williams, Chris Rainey, Marcus Thigpen, Will Arndt, Brad Sinopoli, Shaq Evans, and James Wilder Jr. all had big-time issues. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of frustrated fantasy players out there this week. Hannah, Pat, did you, did you have any of those guys? I think uh, I, I, think had... I managed to <sighs> avoid them. I had a 10-point Braylon Addison, which is just as bad. Yeah, that's true. For the money it's you're like spending, you may as well. like one point per thousand dollars. What am I doing? Yeah, that one hurts. That one hurts. <sighs> just like I Shaq. I had a zero somewhere in my lineup. I just don't remember where. Might, might have been. Uh, might have been Chris Matthews. It was not Matthews. Might have been Chris Matthews. You've been on. You've been on Matthews a well, lot he, this year. He's other than last week. He's been pretty good. Uh, we talked about Western Willie. At least in Montreal. We talked about Western Willie. Trying to get his hands on that shiny new ring that our fantasy champion will receive this year uh, for having the highest season-long point total. And Western Willie's been at the top pretty much every week this season. Uh, Well, he's coming off an 86-point week, which is pretty good uh, given some of the numbers that were out there last week. Uh, Dane Evans, William Powell, and Tyrell Sutton leading his roster uh, as he has grown his lead over second place Ticat 75 to about 40 points. Not insurmountable by any stretch. All it takes is one bad week. That's all it takes. Or one great week. Ticat 75 can go out there and hit that 130, 140 that uh, our weekly winner usually puts up. Speaking of which, our week 19 winner, Sask Raised 87, who put up 130 points. Tough week, uh, as I said, for a lot of teams, but not for him. Dane Evans, Tyrell Sutton, S.J. Green, and Josh Huff. Uh, all big performers on his roster. No one below uh, 14.4 points. So very well balanced. Uh, very nice week indeed for Sask Raised 87. Remember, you can compete against me, Pat Steinberg, and Hannah Norbin in our podcast league, the three of us. Uh, we're very competitive. We don't like each other that much. Just kidding. <laughs> we like each other a little bit sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, Pat's in first, but uh, his lead is now six points. His lead has shrunk to six. Uh, I'm catching up quickly after a 95-point week, and uh, Hannah is in third, but still in the race. It is a close race between the three of us. Uh, Hannah's at uh, 1,703 points, to be exact, after an 82-point week. The three of us, I'm just throwing a bunch of numbers at everybody, but the three of us are separated by 34 points. That's the number you need to know. That's so it's good. a really close race. I am yeah, limping that's, to the that's finish parody. That's parody, you know. That's uh, that's like the race. That's like the race for the West Division right now. It could go anyway. It could go anyway. Uh, a lot happening right now. 
We talked about some of the crazy uh, quarterback news around the league, a lot of movement. Hannah, what's, what's the update? What's the news this week? Well, we already talked about the quarterback situation in Winnipeg, but we've got more news. The Stamps have welcomed back Don Jackson to practice this week. Jackson missed last week's game, but should be back in the lineup versus Winnipeg. Montreal Alouettes are expected to be without Devere Posey this week. The receiver was injured against Toronto and has yet to practice ahead of Saturday's game. Keep an eye on the Ticats receivers. They do expect to have Luke Tasker back in the lineup at some point this season, while Jalen Marshall and Marcus Tucker have shared playing time. You'll want to check that out on the depth chart. Argos head coach Corey Chamberlain says the team will rotate quarterbacks this week. McLeod Bethel-Thompson will start, but Dakota Prukop and Canadian Michael O'Connor are also expected to play. Staying in Toronto, Darrell Walker remains absent from practice after missing last week's game. Chandler Worthy is slated to make a second straight start in his place. The Red Blacks have confirmed that Will Arndt will make a third consecutive start at quarterback, and the team could also have John Crockett back in the lineup at running back. He's healthy, but Rick Campbell says there are ratio considerations. If Crockett doesn't start, Brendan Gillanders will be a cheap buy at $3,000. Gillanders always gets me. I always want to say Gillanders or something. Brendan Gillanders. Gillanders. It's almost like, it's almost like Flanders. But not. I like it. I gotta get me some uh, Chandler Worthy. I, that came. That really did come out of nowhere. Playing uh, in Darrell Walker's spot. Very frustrating for the fantasy owner that had Rodney Smith in the lineup. Uh, more on that later. Let's start with our opening game of the week. Calgary, Winnipeg. Bo Levi Mitchell finishing third among quarterbacks last week with 23.5 points, but a really solid game for him. Uh, three games in a row, he's averaged 10 yards per attempt or better against the Winnipeg secondary that he seems to have a knack for beating. Uh, has he become the safe pick at quarterback? I think so. I, I, I think that especially against this Winnipeg backfield, I think that there are uh, some matchups that this Stampeders team exploited in that win last week, and I think that they're going to be looking to do that again, and I think they've got the ability to. I Look, we, we you already mentioned what this Bombers team, they're a no-fly zone when it comes to running the ball against them, but you can gain on them through the air, and, and I think the Calgary Stampeders will... Uh, uh, definitely be looking to do that once again. The only wrinkle that I'll say is after after a win for the Stampeders and knowing where the Bombers are and, and knowing that they'd like to close out their season with a victory, I, I do think they might try to, you know, there, there's some different wrinkles that they might bring uh, to this game to, to try and slow that down. And they always talk about that second game uh, in a back-to-back. The team that wins, while it's kind of hard to do a whole lot different, the team that loses is going to bring a whole different look at you. So I'm curious about that, but no, Bo, Bo I think is one of the top one or two plays for fantasy this week. I have him right up there with McLeod Bethel Thompson and maybe Dane Evans is the guys that are right at the top of my quarterback plays this week. I uh, I got to see that game in action last week. I was at the Winnipeg-Calgary game and man, it just looked like he had a lot of time and a lot of open targets and I, I like the play. It's not my current play. It just hasn't been a very high scoring year for quarterbacks and maybe it's because there's been so many injuries and backups but it seems like if you're hitting 20 points 
you're getting a reasonable showing from your quarterback this year. Whereas last year, we were seeing a bunch of 30 and 40 point games. I don't know if you want to spend $10,000 to get 21 points, but the options are very slim this week. Just because you're down to the end of the season and there's a bunch of timeshares and a bunch of injury considerations. To me, this is the safe pick. This is this is my quarterback lock right now, and I like Bo in my lineup. Uh, and he's just playing so well. He, the ball's coming out of his hand really well. Uh, Hannah, you mentioned the time he's getting in the pocket, the open receivers, the fact that Calgary's run game isn't working this year. That works in his favor because uh, the attempts are higher. And I I, I don't know. And this is this says a lot because he's had a very prolific career up to this point. I don't know if I've ever seen Bo uh, playing as well as he is right now. He's locked in, and that's a really big deal for this Stamps team uh, because it's the right time to get hot, right? When else would you want to be playing your best football? I don't know if it was the time that he got off. I mean, I'm sure he'll say, uh, no, that's not the case. Uh, But the arm has to be feeling pretty good because it looks good. And the receivers he's got there... uh, I wouldn't. There's no one else right now. Uh, we talked about Zach Caleros and the risks we're getting into. Uh, if you're looking for a, a sure thing at the quarterback position, it's Bo. There's no one else right now for me. Not this week. Not with not with everything going on out there. So if you like Bo and you have him in your lineup, or even if you don't, you still want to get points from this Calgary team. Where do you look towards receiver-wise? I'm having a tough time with this one because I really want Josh Huff in my lineup this week. He's, you know, two of the last three weeks, he's been a pretty reliable target and, and a guy that you probably want in your lineup. But for under $5,000, I think that he's a, a guy that you really are going to need to think about putting in there. And I want, I'm, I really am thinking about getting two of these receivers in there for the Stampeders. And, uh, so Bagleton is the most expensive of the three and he's the one that is consistently most difficult for me to get in it's always hard to get a five-figure receiver in your lineup but Begleton is I yeah he might not get three touchdowns this week but he's probably good for at least one and he's probably good for a, a very solid week at his price so it's it's uh it's a tough one right now uh I'm definitely putting Huff in and I'm seeing if I can get Rodgers in it's always tough for me to get Begleton in it but if you can you should because you know what you're going to get from them as a bit of a cautionary tale yes it is hard to get those five figure receivers in and i've only done it twice and it was the last two weeks and both of them have flopped first it was burnham then it was addison so i'm done i'm not doing ten thousand plus dollar receivers anymore and i do currently have rogers and huff in my lineup i, I think that rogers has the potential to give you the value of one of those uh ten thousand or more dollar receivers anyway he's that good now, eric rogers is is in that same territory uh and he's had those games where he's just completely gone off and put up 30 plus points so uh, I, I think Rodgers is definitely a player I'd look to start. Uh, and, I, and I love Reggie Bagleton, too. I'm with Pat there. If you can afford him, and this week, with there being some uh, lower-cost plays out there, we talked about Chandler Worthy. Uh, I like the guy in Winnipeg, uh, Rashid Bailey. There, there are a few low-cost plays that have come up in recent weeks that have been productive. And if you're able to sort of manage things to get Reggie Bagleton in your lineup, you know that you're getting an elite receiver 
whose ownership numbers are still going to be a little bit low because a lot of people are going to have the same issues with trying to get him into the lineup. So to me, that is an advantage when you have a really high-priced receiver that you are able to get into your lineup. Uh, hey, even a guy like Brandon Banks, uh, who the Ticats, yeah, he's in the MOP conversation. So I don't think he's going to be slowing down anytime soon, but that's just an example. Uh, I won't get off track and... and uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll let I'll let Hannah throw it to the next the next topic before I sidetrack us. Jeff getting off track. When has that ever happened? All right. It's, Game it's two of the It's somewhat weekend. relevant. <laughs> Another triple header this Saturday kicks off with a matchup between the Tie Cats and the Alouettes. These are two teams whose playoff positions are locked in. They know what they're doing. They're not fighting for anything. Maybe just fine tuning their game before the playoffs. So. Two quarterbacks that we've liked throughout the year, Dane Evans, Vernon Adams Jr. Are they risky now? Are we talking load management for these teams that aren't necessarily playing for anything down the stretch? Well, what do we know about the Ticats and the Alouettes and how they plan to approach uh, their final games of the season? The answer is not that much. They've kind of been a little bit coy about it. We know that these teams might be playing again in the playoffs. Kahari Jones has said in the past that he wants to rest guys that need it. Yet, I feel like there's a bit of a hidden message there, and he's not really telling us everything that we need to know. Uh, well, football coaches never do that, right? But I don't. It, it's it's really hard to take coach speak and say, okay. What does this mean? He's going to rest some guys, but only if they need it. Because he also said he wants his players to be sharp. He wants them to be in situations where they need to go out and perform and win football games. So does that mean that they're going to play Vernon Adams from the opening coin toss to the very last play of the game? I, I It would seem to me that yes. But if I'm going to shell out over, over $11,000 for a quarterback... Uh, I don't want there to be any doubt. I don't want to see him come out of the game in the third quarter if it's a 10 or 15 point game and Matt Schiltz to come in because that's going to really anger me. So to me, uh, no matter what anybody says, there's always going to be risk this late in the season with teams that are thinking about the playoffs. And you know this week that the Ticats and the Alouettes, they don't care that much about this game. They're thinking about the playoffs. Here's here's what gives me a little more comfort that the scenario, which I think is a fair worry, but here's why I'm a little more comforted that that scenario maybe doesn't come to pass because I do think this is a close football game. I don't see the game script letting it get away on them, and because of that, I don't know. There's less of a chance anyway for either team to go to a backup. So if you start Vernon Adams and you spend that much of your salary on him, yeah, he might come out if the Alouettes are leading by two touchdowns heading into the fourth quarter, but that's not the most likely thing to happen. So I kind of feel like if the game is in the balance, you're going to be seeing most of the important players still in, and I believe this game will be in the balance for the majority, if not the entirety. So I, I hear you, and I do think it's a risk. There's no doubt. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not a risk or tell you that you're being silly if you are worried about that, but... I do think there's less of a chance of it happening than maybe in, in some other scenarios that we've seen. I'd be worried about either of these quarterbacks coming out, whether the game is close or not, just because it doesn't mean anything standings-wise. But if I can tempt you one way or the other, 
Montreal, one of four secondaries, allowing 300-plus yards per game to opposing quarterbacks. So any Ticats receivers you might want to take advantage of, we don't know how much they might be resting as well. In the last nine games, I believe, uh, in the last nine games, uh, Alouette's opponents, opposing quarterbacks of the Alouettes, have had a quarterback rating of 110. That is unbelievable. There's something to be had there for receivers. There's no doubt about that. And uh, if you're going in on the tie catch receivers, they're less of a risk to me. They're less of a risk. The risk for me is what's to stop Orlando Steinauer from saying, hey, it's 20 to 20 at halftime. This game doesn't matter to us. Dane looks good. He looks sharp. He's gotten his work in. And we know that if he gets hurt, our great cup chances, which look really good right now, uh, they're all of a sudden not going to look very good. That's my concern because, yeah, it's if I had the choice between Dane Evans or, or Vernon Adams or, or a safer pick in Bo, this is the week I'm going Bo. So Ticats receivers, yeah, I'm not as worried about them. It's the, it's the quarterback that concerns me right now for both these teams, just, just because of that uncertainty. All right, it's a dual back situation in Montreal these days, which is pretty much enough for me to steer clear last week. William Stanback, 13 touches. Jeremiah Johnson, 12 touches. Uh, one costs 7600 the other costs 6000 So tons of money for not all that many carries. I'm avoiding, but what do you guys think? I also am avoiding. And, Jeff, you and I have talked, whether it be on, uh, on my show out here or whether it be on our fancy little podcast here, we've both talked about how we believe William Stanback might be the best and most talented running back in the league. The problem is, and I don't think that Montreal is even doing anything wrong because they've got a really interesting option in Johnson and, and they present different things. So it gives the Owls different looks. I actually like what they're doing, but it makes a guy like Stanback at his price tag, even though it's come down, it makes him a whole lot less of a really tantalizing play. And, you know, Johnson was much more attractive when his salary was a little lower, but his salary's gone up. And, you know, in the weeks when Stanback has been hurt, he's been an attractive play. Right now, I'm staying away from these Alouettes running backs, not because they're not good, not because they're not productive, but more because the fantasy script just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and it scares me right now. Yeah, they're really dynamic, and the best part about this for the Alouettes is both running backs are probably feeling pretty good right now. They're probably pretty fresh, we didn't see much of Jeremiah Johnson in the first half of the season. Uh, William Stanback has had his injuries, but he's also had uh, his time out of the lineup. And the Owls all of a sudden have two really dynamic, but also totally different running backs uh, going towards the playoffs. So, yeah, the price is a little high to go in on one of these guys because you just don't know which one of them uh, is going to carry the mail more. It was a pretty even split, though, last week, and that tells you where this running back situation is headed. There is not one feature back here. Uh, the other aspect of this for me is the Ticats run defense. It's been really, really good lately. They were very poor to start the season. Uh, they gave up a ton of yards early in the year. Uh, and Stanback ran wild on them, too. That's not happening right now. They've been incredibly stingy uh, over the last month or so. Uh, even beyond that, back before Labor Day, uh, I'm probably not starting any running back against the Ticats right now to begin with. So for me, that's a situation I'm avoiding. Well, we've attacked this matchup from almost every angle. Let's finish it off. Alouette's receivers 
Not so good last week. Zero targets for Chris Matthews. No receiver on Montreal had more than five targets. Eugene Lewis led the way there. Is that just too risky a move? Hamilton's run defense is good, but their defense overall has been really tough. Yeah, it's just a good defense, and it's not one that... Even even in a meaningless game, it's not one that I'm really comfortable um, putting a lot of players up against. So it's it's one I'm I'm not looking at a lot of Montreal receivers. There's also been a little bit of a a fantasy issue this week of you know which guy we've had that talk about Saskatchewan with. Okay, which which of whether it's Evans or Moore is going to go off. Well, there's been a little bit of that in Montreal, and I know that Posey is hurt, so that changes a little bit. But uh, is it is it going to be Posey? Is it going to be Bray? Or is it going to be Lewis? So I'm I'm going to shy away from Alouette's receivers this week. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, and we heard from Hannah's fantasy flash that Posey uh, probably not going to play this week. He got off to a great start last week before being injured, but you just don't know who it's going to be. And Quan Bray's always been in that price range that you really like out of all the guys there, but Quan Bray didn't do anything in that game until he caught a touchdown pass, uh, the last touchdown pass for the Alouettes yeah. in the game. And and uh, I think it was his only catch in the game. It, it ended up being a nice little touchdown. Salvaged that, his play. He's doing nothing. Yeah, I was watching that game. I was pretty nervous to come out of it with 8.8 points. Was uh, seemed pretty good when he went the entire game without a reception. Yeah, it was it was one of those groundbreaking moments where you're thinking you're going to get a zero, and then all of a sudden, boom, he gets a touchdown. It's like an all or nothing approach, and that and that number at the end of the day is you're fine with it all of a sudden. Like, I mean, it could have been know, like an 80-yard touchdown. I would have taken that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I I would have taken any points from him at that point. Uh, All right. We have fully covered that first game of the Super Saturday. Game two, Ottawa in Toronto. Another game that doesn't mean much because these teams are out. It's more of an audition, more of a preseason look. But a, a strong performance by Bethel Thompson last week who's in line to actually end 2019 as the CFL's leading passer in both yards and touchdowns, not likely to play the whole game. So do you roll with him and hope he produces enough in one half? This seems like a bad idea, but we have seen him put up 20 or 25 points and a half before. It's crazy that in two weeks we might be looking at McLeod Bethel-Thompson as the CFL's leading passer. Isn't that unbelievable? In a year where Mike Riley went to the Lions and everybody was talking about him and Bo Levi Mitchell and Trevor Harris with Edmonton. I know, I know. Injuries everywhere. But, hey, Macbeth's done a nice job with the Argos this year. Very underrated. Uh, And you know what? He's put himself in a position to at least make the Argos think about bringing him back and giving him a chance to be the starter next year. That being said, uh, I... I just, the ceiling's not there if you're talking about a three-quarterback rotation. And this is the first time that Corey Chamberlain has said, we want three quarterbacks to play. Because last week, uh, going into the Montreal game, Corey Chamberlain said, well, we'll see what happens. We might get our other quarterbacks into the game. Uh, Turns out he didn't feel that that Michael O'Connor, the Canadian, he's still a rookie, uh, had gotten enough reps against uh, complicated defenses in practice. Well... Now he's gotten Michael O'Connor ready to go, so he's going to get into the game. Uh, the Argos have been trying to develop Dakota Prukop for a couple of years now. Uh, it's time to see what they've got in him because 
what's the point? What's the point in having a guy around and developing him if he's never going to get into a game? You're just wasting a valuable resource there, uh, which is time spent on development. So uh, I agree with the decision to get these other guys into the game. We know what McLeod Bethel-Thompson is capable of. Uh, We know that he grades out pretty well for what he's done this year. Uh, From a fantasy standpoint, I wouldn't be touching that right now because even if, say, he plays just the first half, you're asking for a lot from him, uh, especially at his current salary, to give you a productive day in fantasy. Yep, probably fair. And it's it's been a really nice story for McLeod Bethel-Thompson this year. Like, I, I've, I've really appreciated the work that he's done. Uh, I hope that he gets a chance to be the guy for the Argos next year and I, and I hope that he's in their plans because I think that he's he's done a lot for them. It's tough if if you're not if you're only expecting him to play a half or two and a half quarters or something like that. It just that can't really be something that uh, you can feel confident with, especially for a guy that's over nine thousand dollars. Jeff, you mentioned him before, but Rodney Smith. Are we not talking about him enough because he's had a really nice second half to his season? We talked about him in week 11 when he caught 12 passes. Since then, hasn't had more than 55 yards, but converted 44 of 60 targets. That's a whopping 73%. Should we be talking about him more? Or really, we can't until the usage is there. That's the problem. I want to talk about Rodney Smith. I'm a big Rodney Smith fan. He's got the big frame. He's fast. Uh, I I just don't love the way the Argos have used him, uh, specifically the number of targets he's gotten, because he's tough to stop. I mean, we've seen him make a short a short reception against the Red Blacks and turn it into a touchdown run. Uh, he can get the yards after the catch. He can win the one-on-ones. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of separation, but he's a, he's a big, dominant, powerful frame that I think he should be in this league uh, as a successful receiver for a long time, and I think he'll be a big breakout candidate uh, next year. This is the time for them to really target him and let him do his thing and show more flashes of that receiver that we saw in Touchdown Atlantic in Moncton because uh, he was just he, he, he was such a powerful force in that game uh, when he I, I believe he caught 12 passes in that game uh, that's what we have written here so uh, yeah get the ball in the hands of Rodney Smith because you know Darrell Walker we don't know if he's back next year SJ Green's getting a little bit older and respect to him a, a legend and as productive as he's been in his career you want to wonder, you want to start to figure out whether Rodney Smith can become uh, a, a really a number one or number two option uh, at some point in the future in this league. I do wonder, and I, I'm, I'd be curious where you guys are, but if, you know, if we're talking about three different quarterbacks playing for the Argos, how confident are we going with their receivers? Because we're talking about a lot of unknown quantities here. So that that, that is a factor for me when I'm thinking about who I want to put in my lineup. I like the matchup against Ottawa. I think we all like the matchup against the Red Blacks. But knowing that it's not going to be uh, a traditional split or a traditional usage, rather, of quarterbacks, that's that's a little more worrying for me. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point. It, it is hard... Uh, to look at an Argos receiver and say, yeah, he's definitely going to have a good game, especially if they're switching quarterbacks every other drive. But another guy that's of interest to me in that offense, uh, if you like Rodney Smith, the price tag is still pretty good against a weak Ottawa defense. But uh, Chandler Worthy. And 
we talked about him off the top. What a good week he had in his debut. And this is a receiver that's been around for a couple of years. He's been cut, brought back, uh, biding his time with the Argos offense and just not getting on the field. Well, he finally gets on the field and shows that he's a really explosive player. He's fast. Uh, he's served in the role as kick returner before. So he's got a well-rounded game and he's got that speed element to his game as well. If you are looking to make a low-cost play in the Argos offense against a defense prone to giving up plays through the air, uh, Chandler Worthy at 2,500 should definitely be on your radar this week. On the running back front, we're keeping an eye on the Red Blacks running back situation this week. Brendan Galanders and Greg Morris split the backfield last game, but John Crockett could be close to returning. Any of these guys uh, catch your eye against that Argos run defense that is... Pretty well. Porus Galander's now just $3,000. He's the one for me. He he really uh, jumps off the page, and, and especially if they're going to use him again. Uh, and I think that they are. That's an Ottawa team that is is looking to find out exactly what they've got with a couple of players. So I, I, I he was a big part of their uh, attack in, in their last game. Now, it was against Hamilton, and it wasn't a close game, but he was used fairly regularly. And I I think they want to know what they have from him. So he's, I, I think there's a chance that he gets a, a nice volume of carries in week 20. And, and because of that, at $3,000, I'm, I'm really considering putting him in. Just make sure you check that depth chart. I know that John Crockett's been working his way back, and I, I know the Red Blacks like him. Rick Campbell has talked about him quite a bit, uh, hoping to get him back in the lineup the last few weeks. But it's going to come down to the ratio. Um, they want to get Antoine Pruneau back at safety. So if they can have a Canadian at safety, that'll help them uh, go American at running back. And uh, again, t- Pat, talking about wanting to see what they have in guys. Uh, yeah, Galanders is interesting. And John Crockett's another one because uh, there were times earlier in the season he overtook Moses Madu for that job. There were times he looked really good. And he's got a pretty good price tag. If he does get the start this week, I like either one of those guys, whichever one ends up being the starter, because it's an Argos defense that can be had, that's for sure. All right, game four of four this weekend sees the Rough Riders in Edmonton. And the Eskimos have activated Trevor Harris from the six-game injured list. He's not cheap, though, nearly $11,000. Hasn't played in a while up against that Sask defense. Any interest in him this week? I'm always interested in Trevor Harris because he, I don't know that we've had debates about what he is and, and, you know, the consistency and all that type of stuff. I'm always interested in him as a play just because he's got the ability to go off for 400 yards and, uh, and four touchdowns. He always has that capability, but this is also his, if he plays, his first game back in uh, quite some time. And so that, that is definitely a little more worrying. Uh, but yeah, he, he's always a, an interesting guy at that price tag, knowing how long he's been off and going up against the Riders. That's a little, like, I'm, I'm happy to see him back if he plays. And I'm interested to see him back, but I don't know if I'm ready to put him in my lineup at that cost. This is a bit of a scouting mission for me for the playoffs. That's a good way of putting it. You know, we start again in the playoffs. TSN CFL Fantasy's back, and uh, I think we have Trevor Harris going to Montreal to take on uh, what has been a pretty weak Alouette secondary lately, missing Siante Evans there. Uh, I'm thinking ahead a few weeks from now, and I'm also curious to see um, 
what what this does, what kind of impact this will have on the Eskimos receivers. Because guys like Ricky Collins and Greg Ellingson and Tavares Daniels, Tavon Smith, who's supposed to be back this week, those were names we were talking about extensively every single week in the first part of the season. Well, not since Trevor Harris got hurt. In fact, all of them, uh, they've been contained pretty well every week and it's it's been pretty tough to take an Eskimos receiver in your lineup so I'm really curious to see if they can get that swagger back from earlier in the year and if one of those receivers emerges as a as a big time target again uh, going down the stretch all right how's this for a play Shaq Cooper after his week seven explosion Jeff you called for him to be in the lineup pretty much week after week well he got his chance and he put up another nearly 20 points at only $4,800. If Gable is sidelined for another week, is Shaq Cooper your top running back play? He's bumped up to just over 5700 this week. Shaq's my guy if he's in. Shaq's my guy. I got him in the lineup right now, and and uh, Gable's ha- hasn't returned to practice yet. Uh, as far as as far as I've seen, I've been on uh, on Dave Campbell's Twitter feed and, and Morley Scott there in Edmonton and seeing what those guys are saying uh, with the updates, but. I love Shaq Cooper, and he's going to be a threat through the air on the ground. He's a home run threat. Every time he touches the ball, he can score. Uh, tough matchup against the Riders, but yeah, I, I, at that price and with some of the other running back options out there, I think Shaq Cooper's one of the top picks at the position this week. I feel like Jeff got a little cre- lot of credit there for the guy who was my lock of the week last week, just saying. Um, <laughs> he uh, he's absolutely on my radar. He's uh, I can't make him my lock of the week two weeks in a row. I don't think, uh, but he's he's definitely dialed into my lineup nonetheless. Uh, because look, I, I think the Eskimos need to have a conversation, and and I've been uh, kind of resistant to this, Jeff. You'd know this going back to earlier in the year. I, I'm a big C.J. Gable fan, but. Um, I think the Eskimos need to have a a real internal conversation about how they're going to be using their running backs going forward here because all Cooper has done when he's been in is impress. He gives them explosiveness. He gives them... Uh, kind of that that big playability, and and I like Gable, and he is as reliable as they come, and he really helps them when it comes to their blocking game, and and maybe they feel like that's the most important part of it once Harris is back. But I just think they got to have a real discussion because they're going to the playoffs. They've got to win on the road. If they want to win a Great Cup, they're going to have to win three road games. So this is this is a scenario where I think they have to know exactly what the best play is at running back, and and. I I feel like giving Cooper another start is a good way of, of doing that. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they do put him in. I think they should, whether or not they will. Uh, I've learned that a lot of sports teams don't listen to what I think should happen. Didn't <laughs> well, you I, lock I'm with in, you wait, there. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Didn't you lock in Dane Evans last year or last week? Maybe it was the week before I locked in Shaq Cooper. Shaq Cooper was last two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. <laughs> so I guess technically I've, I've, checked, I've checked the CFL fantasy podcast bylaws by the way and they do state that you are not allowed to take a lock or a money pick in consecutive weeks uh but because the eskimos were on a buy this might be a pat may have opened up a loophole here oh, that yeah, would allow that, him that to. i won't do it i will not do that yeah. i do not like to be that guy <laughs> <laughs> but i i do agree with you and it's a difficult decision that jason moss would have to make 
and balancing the ratio would be a really big part of it because teams have a tough time dressing two American running backs, let alone three. And if you want Christian Jones as your returner and you want Shaq Cooper and C.J. Gable as your running backs, that, that's a lot to ask for. And I think that would make their offense a lot more balanced with the big playability of Shaq Cooper and the veteran experience uh, smash mouth play of C.J. Gable. Uh, you like to have both those guys in there without losing Christian Jones. Uh, maybe the defensive uh, tackles, defensive ends that they have. Uh, they got some ratio breakers there with Matthew Betts coming in, uh, Stefan Charles in the middle. I mean, they could almost go with an all-Canadian D-line if they really wanted to. But it's going to be really interesting, uh, you're right, to see how Jason Moss decides to deploy his backfield uh, as we head towards the playoffs. Okay, real quick. Cody Fajardo gets his two-year contract extension without playing a playoff game. Are you guys sold? Is he the franchise quarterback they've been looking for? He certainly has had a successful season for a guy who did not know he would be starting pretty much every game. You have to do this if you're the Riders. I really believe that because this is the first guy that Saskatchewan has had that they can say might be their next guy. And if they if they just if if they don't do this and they don't commit to him, I think there'd be a lot of upset Rider fans. And and look, there's no guarantee that this is going to work out. We've seen plenty of guys have good first seasons in the CFL, and then and then it kind of um, goes away from them. I don't think that's going to happen with Fajardo. To me, he's been the most pleasant surprise of the 2019 season. I didn't see it coming, but. I think it's been a really great story now that it has. Uh, I, I think they had to do this. I, I know that he hasn't played a playoff game. I know that he hasn't even played a full season as a starter in this league. I still think they're making the right decision here. I, I'm going to say I'm not sold, but I 100% agree that this is the right decision. I mean, this is the closest glimpse you've had at a franchise quarterback since Darian Durant. And uh, as, as Hannah said off the top, and you got to in good faith – extend him make sure he's back next year we know that, uh, that there are some quarterback hungry teams out there in the offseason and hey see what he can become because if he becomes that superstar quarterback he's still young enough that he's got a lot of good years left in him the thing I like the most about Cody Fajardo is the interception rate he's kept the mistakes to an absolute minimum while still making big plays through the air uh, running the ball on the ground he can do anything uh, you know it's you get guys that don't make mistakes, but they also don't take risks. He doesn't seem to be afraid to sling the ball when he needs to. You know, it's like you're getting the best of both worlds. Uh, the number I'll drop is 1.8% uh, of his attempts going for interceptions. So you're pretty much saying uh, he'd have to throw over 1,000 passes to, to get to 20 interceptions in a season. That's, that's pretty incredible. Small sample size, but... That spells long-term success to me, especially for a guy in his first year as a starter. And we've seen quarterbacks come out hot, and and uh, they don't turn out so great. But so far, all the peripherals and everything we know, I would say all signs point to Cody Fajardo being a franchise quarterback. You guys like him this week because I'm picking between him and Bo, and he's actually the guy in my lineup as of this taping. Fajardo is in my lineup. I like him. He's one of the guys I like. I, I've made I made a long list at the near the top of the podcast of guys I don't like. He is not on it. He is one of the guys that I do like this week. All right, two weeks ago, Jeff crowned Shaq Evans 
as the guy in Saskatchewan. Since then, done pretty much nothing. Combined 10 fantasy points over his last two games. Uh, So, Jeff, are you actually the one to blame? Is this all your fault? Yep, 100%. This is my fault. Uh, I think it it was around that time that Shaq said he's the best receiver in the CFL, too, or something like that. Uh, Oh, so you're trying to put it back on him. Don't all these receivers have big egos and think they're the best in the league? Isn't that like the mentality of the position? Give me the ball, give me a where you have Terrell Owens doing sit-ups in his driveway and stuff like that. But yeah, you know what? I I don't understand why he hasn't been consistent this season. But I guess that's the matur the maturation uh, of uh, a young up-and-coming receiver because. Uh, these guys don't just go from, from 0 to 100 overnight. And I still think we're seeing Shaq Evans become one of the best receivers in the CFL. And I think he's due for a pretty big bounce back. And if you believe if you believe that a guy that's been quiet like Shaq for a little while is going to go off for a big game, this, this would be a week to take him for sure. I always, uh, like I always worry about players that Jeff talks up on the podcast because – it's a lot of pressure to, <laughs> to play with those types of expectations of, of Jeff Craver watching you. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like it's not a jinx, but I, I do feel like you need to choose your words more carefully because I feel bad for him. It's a lot to live up to. Um, I digress. The, the I still I do still worry a little bit about the. Uh, I still do worry a little bit about the, the weapons that they have in Saskatchewan. I know that I, I know that when we had that conversation, Jeff, about is Shaq the number one guy and is he clearly the number one option, you were a little down on Kyron Moore, but I still think Moore's a, a really good receiver that has good weeks in him and I'm, I'm like really good weeks in him. It's just it's tough to decide when. Uh, I, I they're a difficult team to handicap right now when it comes to that. So I, I do think Evans has the highest ceiling of those guys. The problem is there have still been some games where his floor hasn't been really encouraging. All right, that brings us to our three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. We're going to make our money picks. We're going to make our lock of the week, starting with money picks. So this is a player $3,500 or less who you could have in your lineup for week 20. Jeff, who is your money pick this week? I've got Rashid Bailey from the Bombers at $2,500. I, I think this is a really talented receiver. He was the star of training camp for the Bombers. They opted to wait a little bit to bring him into the lineup. But now that he's here, he's getting the targets every week. Uh, he's getting four or five catches every time he plays. And, and I think he's going to have pretty quick chemistry with Zach Caleros, who I also think will give that passing offense specifically uh, a little bit of a bump. Uh, compared to what we've seen in the passing game from Chris Trevler. So Rashid Bailey, uh, a big body, and and I think he's going to I think he's good for a touchdown this week. That's my prediction. I really like the matchup for this player in particular, and that's Chris Matthews in Montreal. I feel like going up against a team like Hamilton that has a really good defense, that is difficult to gain on, those are the types of games where Matthews is at his best because of his size, because of his possession ability, and and for Vernon Adams in that game against Hamilton this week, uh, I think that I think there's a chance that we're going to see a lot of Matthews. So, or not even a lot, but I think that he'll be used more certainly than he 
was last week when he put up a goose egg. I know that, that goose egg might be scaring you away. I don't think it should, especially that price tag. I still think there's plenty of reason to think about having Chris Matthews in your lineup for $3,100. And I'm going to go Chandler Worthy because even if he puts up half of last week's 26-point total at $2,500, you're coming out ahead. And Toronto up against Ottawa, I like the matchup. Chandler Worthy is worth a flyer. Okay, lock of the week. Jeff, you're going first. Who's your lock? Oh, I'm going big this week. I'm going for that home run swing. I'm feeling it. I got Reggie Bagleton as my lock of the week. Give me the bagels. Take me to Bageltown. I'm going to spend all my money there and give me as many bagels as I can carry because Reggie Bagleton at $11,441, he's going to break the bank for me. I don't have much left, but whoo. I like it. I like it. We talk about a receiver that when he goes off, he goes off. Four touchdown game earlier in the year. Three touchdowns last week against his very same team. He's had a lot of success against the Bombers, and he is proving that he is in the discussion for top two receivers in the CFL at this exact moment alongside Brandon Banks. Guys like Reggie Bagleton, Brandon Banks, they're just not being stopped right now. Uh, and I think Bo and, and Reggie, they're going to hook up a lot this week. I thought you were going with Bo as your uh, lock of the week. I thought that might be the way that you would go. I'm going to stick with the Stampeders. I do like this matchup from a passing standpoint. I won't go Bo. Um, I've got Eric Rogers. I I think Rogers in my lineup right now. I've got both him and Josh Huff penciled in as it stands right now and I just feel like there's a chance for this Stampeders attack to have another good game, especially uh, when it comes to the passing game. So I'll go Eric Rogers. He's a little bit less expensive at uh, $8,500 but I think always has an extremely high ceiling. And because Pat can't or refuses to take him, I'm going to go Shaq Cooper at $5,700. That is quite the bargain for a guy who's Floor has pretty much looked like 20 points and his ceiling we haven't even seen yet. So 5,700 Shaq Cooper, I'm locking him in. Would it be crazy to just make a lineup consisting of Bo, Reggie Bagleton, Eric Rogers, and and, uh, Shaq Cooper? Does that even fit under the cap, those four guys? Uh, I think they'd get you to 100 points. Your question was, is that crazy? I'd say yes. To willingly okay. play a four-person roster? <laughs> I mean, if you're picking, yeah, that's maybe I mean, it's I've crazy. Currently got, it's I've crazy. currently got we'll Rodgers, Cooper, and Bo in, and I have a defense in there too, so you can do it. Of course, that $11,000 of Bagleton is the most difficult one to slot in, and he probably has the yeah. highest ceiling mm-hmm. of the group, but I've got three of them in right now. Good chat this week, guys. Do you have any final words, or, or can fun. I wrap up the podcast? No, let's uh, let's end on a high note. I appreciate that. That's I like high notes as well. Uh, Jeff Creever, by the way, is on Twitter at Jeff Jeff Creever. Uh, it's very original. Uh, Hannah's at HL Nordman. I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. Follow along. We'd love to chat with you throughout the week on uh, CFL Fantasy because that'll do it for Week 20. Make sure you click CFL.ca on repeat throughout the week. Get those fantasy news and notes. Check out the depth charts rankings projections also listen to the waggle davis sanchez and donovan bennett at cfl.ca slash the waggle they are getting you ready for week 20 and make sure you subscribe and listen to us every week we're on google play itunes spotify or you can listen to us right on cfl.ca
Good stuff, friends. Don't forget the CFL Fantasy Podcast is brought to you by Leo Vegas. We will be back for the final week of the regular season. Can you believe there will only be four more CFL Fantasy Podcasts when this one comes to an end? For Hannah, for Jeff, I'm Pat. Enjoy Week 20 and enjoy the triple header on Saturday. It's been another edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. <laughs>